Welcome to Coffee with Tony. That's my dad right there. He recorded the new funky Coffee with Tony introduction music. I love it because it makes me think of, uh, and I told him this, it makes me think of all those sort of UHF public information shows. Not cable access level, but like your local regional TV show talk news weekend wrap-up show from the 80s or 70s. And I love that. Um, so Coffee with Tony, off to a, a bumpy start in the sense that I'm doing this all on my own and a lot of people have offered to help and I appreciate it and I will be taking people up on the offer, but I'm enjoying learning how to edit my podcasts and how to do a little sound design and so on. So um, I hope everyone will bear with me as I get the rhythm of releasing these going. I actually banked two, so this one is... a uh, exciting because it's a new guest um, and uh, another old friend. Uh, we discuss some topics that are pretty evergreen still. The Biden accusations with Tara Reid, of course, COVID-19, how we're handling it, what we're doing in the pandemic and so on. So uh, it's a you know wide ranging interview and it went pretty long. So and I kept a lot of it. So I don't want to go too long uh, today. The one thing I do want to say is that, um, you know, there's a big thing right now at the Michigan state houses and all the uh, uh, Missouri state houses, and people protesting and bringing guns and being wild and screaming in police's faces and so on. And I think it's disgusting and awful behavior. Uh, what I think is interesting also is that I biked into New York City yesterday and I saw tons of people in Madison Park. And just because they are New York uh, upper middle class liberals hanging out in a park for the most part, um, they don't get the same outrage thrown at them and they should. I don't think we should not be outraged by the statehouse protesters. I think we should be as equally, if not more outraged by people who claim to have a moral high ground and then act as disgustingly and uh, in such a having such a disregard for human life. Uh, it's the same disregard either way. Um, so that's the little thing I'm going to probably bring up this week uh, in the show. But without further ado, let's uh, cold open my guest and then introduce her. There's a clue. Yes. I mean, I, you know what? Well, that's a good idea. I mean, I do bike, you know. Biking seems really good right now, too. It's like quiet streets. You can probably like relax a little bit more. Do you bike too? No, but I think I might become somebody who like wipes down a city bike and takes it out because it seems like a good time to bike. Oh, no, no, no. Just buy a bike. Just buy a bike. <laughs> Emmy, just buy a fucking bike. Don't wipe a city bike down. I mean, that's like a rolling COVID machine. Just, <laughs> just, just, Jesus. That's right. It's genius comedian Emmy Blotnick. She's the head writer of The President's Show. She was a writer for Colbert Report. She has a special on Comedy Central. She has a comedy album, which we plug at the end of the show. I'm so excited to have her on, and I don't even want to do more introduction than that. She's a good, dear old friend. So let's hear more from Emmy Blotnick. I don't know. I feel like I cut it maybe a day too close doing a show in a bowling alley that I, I wish oh. I had just been like. <laughs> um, when did you do that? Same, that was March 10th, but it was like that. Oh like oh shit something's coming but like people weren't canceling plans yet and i you know 
it's the same bowling alley where um, I think it was like H1N1 was in a bowling ball or something like that. I don't oh. remember the details well, but um, <laughs> comedy H1N1 shows. was hiding in a bowling ball? There was someone who went bowling at this place and then got the disease. I might have, I think I'm mixing up my pandemics, but um, I'll, I'll check That's my amazing. sources and report back. Yeah, please <laughs> report back to me. But so you were out on the road well into March. Like I was already locked down in my house like for five or six days. Oh, you're smart. Yeah. I think it was, um, yeah, March 10th was the last day I was like out and about, I think. Um, well, they also and... are downplaying it. I mean, I, I wouldn't yeah. say it's, I'm just paranoid and you know how I am. So like th that's the reason why I was already locked away and stocking up on March 1st, you know? I mean, well, uh, do you stock that? Here is a question for you is, do you have anything that you stock up on that is like unusual or unique to you? It's a very interviewee question, but I'm curious. Oh, it is. Well, okay. I'll answer it. Then now you, then you're going to have to answer it. Uh, <laughs> so that this makes it for a good podcast. <laughs> um, I think <laughs> what are the unique things? So the unique things that I stock up on, I guess what's unique uh, for me would be well, there's this organic uh, version of Cinnamon Toast Crunch that you get from really? Fresh Direct <laughs> that we got like four boxes of. Um, what does it I'm have one of think... those good names? Oh, it's like, it's like, it's, I wish I could remember the name of it because we just know it as like the fake Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I think it's like cinnamon morning glory or something, <laughs> something Perfect. like yes, hippie. Yes. Cause you know how they always have to have some fucking hippy dippy part of the name, you know, yes. like, like, you know, <laughs> waves of grain, uh, corn pops, you know, mm -hmm. do you remember the Kashi um, cereal yeah. that was called best friends? And it was like two middle-aged yes. ladies with their arms around each other. That's the ultimate. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And the thing with Kashi though I would eat Kashi and my stomach would blow up and I would fart like comical, <laughs> comical, like awful farts. And I remember I was like, I'm eating Kashi. This is going to be healthy. And I was like teaching improv at UCB at the time. And so I would go for a run. My class was like at three. I would go for a run. I would power eat a bunch of Kashi. And then I would like take the train into UCB and be like, oh, no. <laughs> And I would get into, and this was when there was the training center that was just the bathrooms that everyone shared. And I would go into the bathroom, the one stall, and I would sit oh. down and just hollow fart for like 20 minutes. I would walk into the class like sweating and like farted up. Like where like you farted so much in the bathroom that like you smell like the moisture of the fart. And I would walk into the classroom and I'd be like, hey, guys. And they'd be like, it's 10 after. I'm like, I was here. I was just in the bathroom. I, I don't know what's wrong. And I would be like, Jesus Christ. We're paying like $300 for this. And then you would like <laughs> devastate everybody with like two accurate notes. Oh, yeah. For, I would for, yell for at gentle yeah. improvisers. <laughs> yeah. And it took me months to figure out it was the Kashi. Like months. That's and then so I was like, funny. oh, it's the Kashi. So I cannot eat Kashi. I fucking hate Kashi. <laughs> it's all about cinnamon morning glory. 
You saw Cinnamon <laughs> Morning Glory. I'll tell you the other one I do, but this is more of a prepping, preparing thing, but it is a particular thing, which is that I make um, I make chickens and beef stock ice cubes. And I make um, garlic and olive oil and then herb and olive oil ice cubes. And then I store all those. And so that when I need to cook, I can just pull like two ice cubes of of oil and garlic and just throw them in a pan. And it really works for steaming and for vegetables and things. Like with kale, if you take one of the olive oil and herb things – and two like chicken stock cubes and throw them in there and cover it. It just steeps everything because the ice is like steaming off, right? Because you're, oh, uh, you know, the heat. You gotta. Yeah. That's that's a perfect before an improv class. That's that's a great tip. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what's your unique thing? I was trying to think. Of, I asked this not knowing if I had one, and I realized I just bought. <laughs> I bought a very complete kit for like manicures and pedicures, like nail care. <laughs> I don't know how to paint the nails well, but I have a lot of tools now, like files and rasps and clippers of all kinds. So I didn't expect to be so like loaded up with that stuff. But, you know, yes. nail salons are dead for a while. Oh, yeah. Oh, my mother has been having a whole freak out about the fact that she can't um, dye her hair anymore, you know, oh, my. and like it's a big deal. My mom's 82 and she's never had gray hair. And I think she was like, I'm going my whole oh. life without it. And now I'm in the final stretch. This ain't fucking happening. Like, my mom was like, ordered home dye and like my stepfather has to do it. You know, yeah, I think if you expanded it, I'll say this, if you expanded it to that, what you just said about like a home nail kit thing, um, I would say that the nicest thing about being home, and I think we both can agree that we're having a discussion clearly from a somewhat point of privilege. We are able to be home. We're obviously have a little bit of money, enough that we're trying to probably work and keep alive, but like, we're not, I'm not worried yet. You know, I was a little worried, but I wasn't yes. like super worried, but, um, that I do yeah. like that slowly I'm getting into the corners of my home and like building the fort that I always wanted as a home. Does that make sense? Like yeah. really finally yes. just sort of locking down exactly how I want my home to be, which I feel like I've never had that opportunity because I'm always working just always working the next project i'm going to do is wrapping a heating pipe with half inch rope and it's going to take me like two days so by the way emmy blotnick is here joining us <laughs> emmy blotnick is is this like such... a midway intro <laughs> yeah this is a midway intro trust me i'll probably i'll cut this all up trust me oh, oh um, okay okay i appreciate I, I, the I... intro <laughs> Uh, yeah, Emmy Blatnick, who is uh, an extraordinary mind, uh, extraordinary comedian, but a mind and artist first, uh, and uh, a great, a, a phenomenal writer. I, I know a writer who saved me on many occasions at the President Show, and I know for a fact Emmy was the saving grace because I could spot her humor very uh, clearly, and um, was the head writer. For the president show, right? 
You yeah. were the head writer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. You're the head writer. I just want to make sure I get my titles correct. Um, and, I appreciate um, it. <laughs> and like... Uh, and and also and then went on to write for Colbert, but also has a Netflix special out um, that you can go watch while you're quarantined. Uh, what's the net? I should know this, but I don't. What, what is it called again? I have actually. This is weird. I have a half hour on Comedy Central and then a stand up album that's on all the streaming things. So the album is oh, called Party Nights. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Party Nights is the album. And then it's the Comedy Central. I guess I confused that. And that's just Emmy. That's all good. I know what a well-prepared <laughs> interviewer, huh? I knew no, it was one or the it's... other. <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Happy to be introduced and happy to be here. <laughs> Are you happy to be poorly introduced? So before we get into sort of the subject, so co- first off, are you having coffee? I, okay, I have to confess that I have had my two cups today, and once it hits three o'clock, I have to cut myself off or I don't sleep. So Very, um, oh, interesting. I'm having, I'm having yes. a kosher for Passover vintage brand seltzer in the air. Um, it's a sort of Jewish runner-up beverage to coffee. Oh, yes. Wait, wait what, kind of, what, what kind of Jew, what kind of seltzer is it? It's the brand is vintage. The can is like a really stunning, oh, almost Tiffany blue. And oh, it's, I thought you uh, were. Oh, I love Tiffany blue. <laughs> and then the, it's it happens to be kosher for Passover. There's a certification from a rabbi on this seltzer, so it's oh. like I would say, you know, if if coffee is Linda Richmond's blood, this is her pee. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> And for everyone who gets that, that would be Coffee Talk, Linda Richmond with Linda Richmond. That yes. great classic SNL sketch for all you young people out there who don't know what we're talking about. Um, but don't worry, my demographic for this podcast is probably as elderly as the president's show, um, which is fine. And I appreciate all of you. Um, that, they have so, good taste. They have they good have great taste. taste. Exactly. We well, see now I can't go past six. I can have coffee till six. Um, and I drink about seven to eight cups a day. Do you real? what's, what are your sleeping hours? That seems like, uh, uh you are a, uh, a, a nocturnal person. Yes. I don't go to bed. My earliest bedtime would be one in the morning. So that would be well, early. Like one is early and probably like two to two thirty is my normal bedtime. That's um, why. And then when do you wake up? I mean, if I go to bed at two, I'll wake up at nine. You know. Okay, it's I mean, still technically seven hours. That's that's pretty solid. Wait, no, it's five hours. I can't do math. <laughs> no, two to nine is seven hours. Two to seven would be fine. Anthony, five. I'm so dumb. Okay, thank you. <laughs> you were right. I you am dumb, dumb as shit. <laughs> oh my god, the hell was it? Why were you writing for my show then? <laughs> I can't. I don't do. I don't write for math-related programs. Well, that's no why the president show skills. was. Uh, yeah, the the original name of the the president show was Trigonometry Today, and we had to change it when we hired him. <laughs> um. Now. Uh, <laughs> But like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm drinking my Nespresso. I always have cream with my coffee and no sugar. 
So some purists would say it's disgusting that I have cream. I personally associate cream and coffee with my grandmother and having coffee with my grandmother. So to me, it's like very Aww. important to have the cream. It, it is. It's like it's like a real comfort thing for me. Um, That's lovely. But are you... Are you a drip coffee person or are you? I promise though this will be the end of the coffee questions. Or do you have no, like an no, espresso I really like machine or something? Um, we have, this is, I could talk about this for the next however long you want to. I have, um, okay, we have a few different coffee apparatuses. There's a apparati. We have a French press, like one of those mocha pots and then a drip machine. So we're okay. usually doing the drip because I think it's the best of the three. But um, yes. Nespresso is the goal, you know, ultimately, someday, a machine that can do it all. Oh, my God. Well, there's the Nespresso is sort of, let's, I, I will say this, that if you really want to go for it, you get like a Juno, I think, or something. Like you get one of those like $3,000, like crazy machines. My parents have had one for like 20 years. They have the same one. They get it repaired constantly. So it's actually paid for itself now at this point. And that thing makes like incredible coffee, but it's like real espresso beans and everything. The Nespresso oh, is fantastic. That sounds good. Yeah, it's the best. I mean, the Nespresso is fantastic and it is great espresso, but it's a little wasteful with the pods and, you know, you recycle them. But I still always feel like, well, this can't be that great what I'm doing, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the one like your parents is ideal. It's like buying a car. It's like. It's like Fran yes. Lebowitz's old taxi. <laughs> yes, yes, it's true. It's like, <laughs> it is. Yeah, I mean, it's where you really want to get something that's going to last forever, that's powerful, that's a real beater. That's their espresso machine. I mean, when I go home, I like it's like the plan. first thing I want to do. The first thing I want to do yeah. when I go into my parents' house is have an espresso and sit with them, and they eat scones, but I hate scones, and I have what? this toast. I hate scones. Okay. I fucking hate them. I hate scones. <laughs> I think they're they're flaky. They're gross. They're dry. They're every. They have raisins in them. They have everything I hate about a baked good is rolled into one with a scone. It's like I actually oh. enjoy a scone in the sense that a scone to me is like is like here's everything you hate in one thing. Don't have it. That's what a scone says to me. <laughs> that is a. a, a devastating takedown of scones <laughs> yeah. i think doesn't it vary on the baker i feel like somebody a good baker i bet there. you know I've what i've never think had a good that scone. there are probably a lot of okay <laughs> i've never oh. tasted a good scone i love english muffins this is what i like i like flaky puffy like you know what i like i like a popover or uh or a, 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 an English, uh, I mean, not an English, a croissant. I love an English muffin, but I like things with flake. You know what I mean? Like, I like more pastry-esque yes. things. Um, I'm not as in, I get yeah. that. Yeah. I yeah, I would not, I'm not taking, I would not take a bullet for a scone, but I just was surprised that it's such a, <laughs> such a, just, uh, um, you know, it's like, it's like a scone did something to you. It did. It did. It it went in my mouth and it sucked. Well, maybe I should rephrase how I put that. Um, so the, this is the long introduction, but this is the end of the introduction. But I do want to say that like Emmy was one of the people who, when I made the show, it was automatic that I was hoping that Emmy could just do it. 
So like, you know, there were certain people oh. who I knew I wanted the second that the show became a reality and um and Emmy was was is that person. Um and so That's I had so some nice. questions. That, some origin questions just to sort of ask you which is did you know when you when did you come to New York? Or did you come to New York or are you yeah. from here? <laughs> Um, or I, like, when did you sort of realize one, like both coming here and when did you sort of go, Oh, I'm funny. Like this is, I was interested about how people, you know, was it always that way from school or was there a decisive turn? It was, um, let's see, I moved to New York in 2010, uh, after I graduated from college and, uh, let's see, I, I, I remember like, I did a couple of school plays as a kid and I could never, like if I was given a funny line, it would make me burst out laughing and I would just like blow it in all of our shows. And that should have been a sign not to do this. And for some reason I pursued it aggressively and now I can, um, I, this is why improv was always hard for me is that when people were funny in the scene, I would break and everybody hates that. So um, stand up, at least I know where the laughs are coming from most of the time. And uh, that right. made more sense. You grew up in Massachusetts, right? Yeah, I'm from Cambridge. From Cambridge, Mass. So where did you go to school? I went to, it, oh my goodness, it's called Buckingham Brown and Nichols, and it's so we've an, had this an discussion. private school. Yeah. We've had this discussion that I went to, uh, see, this is how great my memory is, is like, this is all coming <laughs> to me as we're talking. I went to day camp at Buckingham Brown and Nichols. And didn't you go right? to, you went to the Fairweather Street School, which is so, so close. So I went to Fairweather Street School, and you went to BB&N, as they called it. They didn't call it Buckingham yes. Brown and Nichols, right? Everyone local called it BB&N. Yeah, and it would be tacky to call it the whole thing. And so here's the thing. Do you think that there's something that um, is innate in New Englanders? Because uh, I think about this with like Sarah Silverman, Amy Poehler, uh, Conan O'Brien, that there's a particular... Uh -huh sort of sensibility or humor a combination of darkness like there's a particular sensibility i feel that that you have to have having humor coming out of especially boston provincial new england that is that is uh both brutal and warm at the same time does that make sense yeah, that's really nice. I, I, that is, I think, true. I think people are not that nice in New England, just in general. And, uh, like, it, it makes you, uh, like, y you can't be, you can't be like a sucker there. It's, you have to <laughs> sort of, like, um, have, have a little bit of a thick skin because Boston people are uh, harsh. Yeah, very harsh. Or like a protective layer of some kind, yeah. Do you feel that's true in your family also? Yes, everybody, it's like, do you know when this virus first started spreading, the pangolin suddenly became an animal that we knew about? And they're kind of like um, aardvark, anteater type things with shingly shells, and they scurry yes. in the forest. And I, I yes. relate very intensely to the pangolin as a New Englander. <laughs> <laughs> yes. An 
armored up weird armadillo just trying to like hide <laughs> your cambridge is sort of um if you want to took, take a look at sort of the, the heights of like effete, wealthy, colonial liberalism, Cambridge is a perfect place in the sense that like the motivations, the motivations might be right. There's a lot of good, a lot of well-meaning, but there's still that sort of Protestant, leave me alone, cruel, uh, also look down your nose sort of attitude that can happen, right? Everything's still super segregated. Yeah. Um, and in addition to that, everybody yeah. in New England is truly like, what the fuck is your problem? Leave me the fuck alone. And you have to get through that. And the irony <laughs> to me is that everyone says that that's the New York attitude. But to me, the New York attitude is like, hey, hey you want to talk? Let me tell you something. Hey, oh, come over. Like, New Yorkers are all about like, <laughs> hey, I'll butt into your fucking business. Like, New Englanders don't. Everyone's like, what do you want? How are you trying to fuck me over? Yeah. 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 I think New Yorkers are friends. I agree with that. Um, cause here it's like, they're like, what, who threw you out? What's your weird dream? You know, like there's some, there's a little bit of romance yes. to New York that, uh, uh, nobody has time for. Yeah. And <laughs> I guess, yeah, the liberal, the weird liberal thing. It's so true with Cambridge. Everybody is like status obsessed, but in a really like yes. varied way. Like everybody's just, Oh, oh. it's, I'm, I, I, I guess it does turn out a lot of funny comedy people, but yeah, it's like surprisingly a weird place to grow up. Do you love gaming? Do you love streaming? Do you love comedy? Then you'll cream your jeans when you streams. Shabby Fatty! Shabby Waddy? No, that's Shabby Fatty! On Twitch. What's Twitch? Only the number one gamer streaming platform, and Tony's on it. Playing with his friends, TV's members, John Gemberling, Gamertag, Pleasant Brick, plus Chatmaster, Sam Gripple. Tune in Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 12.15 a.m. Eastern, 9.15 p.m. Pacific, for all the laughs and action at twitch.tv backslash shatty fatty that's twitch.tv backslash s-h-a-t-t-y f-a-t-t-y and once you follow and subscribe to shatty fatty you must follow and subscribe to johnny g's twitch stream as well that's twitch.tv backslash pleasant prick that's twitch.tv backslash p-l-e-a-s-a-n-t-p-r-i-q-u-e tune in today Do you watch Housewives? I dip in and out. I feel like I've I've seen probably an episode or two from each bunch of ladies, and I didn't get like invested in any one of them. I I like am happy to just sort of pop in and be like, "What's going on with these broads?" And it's always pretty good. What's your worst obsession that's that's magnified since you've been home? Oh my! I think um I've it's so. It's probably a toss-up between uh, weed and internet shopping, and that's not ugh. Internet shopping, I have to. You, I feel like there is some some deep like good reason to stop right now. And every once in a while, I'm like, I need that 
foot callus file and then someone has to bring it here and it's so stupid <laughs> so <laughs> um, so that that is bad that's a lot of foot and nail stuff i told a lot you of foot and nail for you i have a very complete kit now it's like I, but i am i feel like a monster for it um that's bad and then i think like a constant snacking like a, a near constant grazing crunchy things in particular um to get the anxiety out of your jaw i feel like pretzel like and a hard yes. pretzel is so useful right now so <laughs> Ooh, we've been having cauliflower cauliflower powder pretzels is that good so pretzels made <laughs> they're so good there's they taste just like pretzels fuck okay it's crazy they taste just like pretzels they're somewhat healthier, not particularly healthier. I mean, now you you live with a chef. Yes, he's. Is that okay for me? Yeah, to it's I, it's like my best accomplishment <laughs> in life. I think is um, <laughs> he's he's making some a, a rack of pork right now, and I feel just very very lucky because otherwise, if he wasn't here, I would be eating probably one egg at a time and like freeze-dried shit and Ritz crackers <laughs> like it would be so sad so <laughs> he's well a enjoy that pork because it might be the last pork it might be the last pork you have for like it's months true. now that the 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 supply chain's broken with pork production it's gonna break with everything I think I mean I don't know I uh, I this is yes more than any one like obsessive thing it's just worrying and trying to predict things those are like the real my my like main demons right now are like doomsday prepping mentally interesting and uh so know. okay so let's get into it because this is the other part of it and it's interesting cuz you know these are some of the things that you know the show is partially uh the podcast is inspired by what we discuss in, during the week on my live coffee with Tony's on Twitter and Facebook, ah. uh, which, you know, all of like all of like 120 people watch. So it's a very <laughs> large audience. Um, so uh, but the discussions tend to s center around sort of a couple of main themes. Uh, but and I, I actually want to go to one that we sort of discussed a little bit, which is about nail care and you getting the foot thing. I recently got a foot gym to exercise my right ankle because when I go running, my right ankle basically gives out. So I have to now do these tension exercises to like keep my ankle like from collapsing. Oh, my. Um, but so, uh, you know, they're going to reopen. Right. There's this whole strategy to reopen the government. And I mean, to reopen uh, the economy, which is absurd, um, in my opinion. But yeah. also one of the things particularly was talking about nail salons, hair and massage. And the idea that that seems to be something that they're featuring. And I don't understand why they're talking so much about massage. My only thing I could think of is the connection between Bob Kraft, Trump's friends and going <laughs> to jerk off places. And is this all really rooted in the fact that there's like men in their fifties and sixties who basically are like part of my life is going to jerk off places and escaping my wife. And like, I can't do that now. It's like all of this, like is all of the like sort of language around why we're reopening since it's coming from Trump. Is he a mouthpiece for sort of the disgusting slug that, uh, is like the average male American citizen in his fifties. Yes, of course. Of course. Why would there, <laughs> why like the, he doesn't give a shit about 
massages. I think you're right that he's got some friends who need to get, you know, like their weird tug in. (laughs) (laughs) Like, but like, why? I mean, and would you, here's the question. Let's say, forget, I mean, first off, I know I'm not talking about massage places anymore, but it does astonish me the fixation on massage places. It's been brought up like in two or three task force meetings now. And I'm like, aren't there more important things than massage places to talk about? But like, what do you think if they said tomorrow in New York, uh, or if they said, okay, June 1st, we're going to open. We don't have full testing yet, but so the scenario I guess is one, would you do anything more than you're doing now, which is occasionally go to the grocery store and just panic the entire time you're in there. Um, and then get home. Right. But let's say like they start opening up, like, you know, there's auditions again, or, Hey, Emmy, do you want to go do this show for this amount of money here or whatever? What is your personal reopen rule versus the state's reopen rule? Ooh, I haven't given a ton of thought to this, but it's a good question. I think it depends on, Thank you. yeah, does it? I feel like it depends a lot on like the, the, if people can keep their distance at said show or audition and like, I mean, I don't, uh, getting around is still weird. Like if you could bike there, maybe it's okay. And if you could bike and right. still distance in some capacity, but it's fuck it. It's just so we, uh, we don't have a like strong enough leadership to advise on this in a way that anyone should trust. <laughs> so in other words, if someone said reopen, even if they go, because this is my opinion, is if they go, hey, we're reopening New York, you know, I'd be like, no, you're not. Like, I'm not going yeah. anywhere. Yeah, like if I my, think if my agent said, hey, there's a show. I'd be like, I ain't fucking doing that. Are you crazy? Yeah, I think that's probably the bright way to go is to be like just to err on the side of caution, because the reason they want to reopen is people are going to pressure you. Uh, Yeah. Sorry. Go on. Go on. Go on. Sorry. sorry, No, no. the reason they want to reopen anything is to make money. It's not about like our precious lives. So, um, you know, yeah, Yeah. it's going to be weird. Agents and managers are pressuring you. Wait till they are ready to make money. And they don't have to go anywhere. And you know how this always works, which is that they send you out, right? And you go, uh, I don't know. I mean, I had to write this to, I think our touring person might be the same person. Um, I think so. I'm not sure. Probably. I think our touring agent is the same person. I wrote him. I was like, unless like they're paying me a shit ton of money and it's a first class flight and a private car and there's no one around me ever i can't tell you if i'll go anywhere in 2020 like oh in uh, 2020 is wiped out yeah this year is so this so we're talking 2021 yeah we're talking 2021 here was okay so 2021 there's a vaccine there's antibody tests and you've taken the antibody test and you're immune Right. Yeah. Now, are you okay? Are you at that point like, hey, I'm immune or I have the vaccine? Okay, let's get back into it. I think it depends on if we've done enough for the people who aren't immune. Like, if you could still spread it, then it's kind of unethical. But it's, you know, ah, it's all the sort of things that have kept me from having a full night of sleep in a month plus. So. Does this give you anxiety discussing this? It 
doesn't give me anxiety discussing this. It's if I'm alone with my thoughts, because then I'll start making leaps that don't make sense. And then by like four in the morning, I'm like, I need to wear a malaria net at the grocery store, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. Well, and do you think, what do you think about, um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, listen, I go into the grocery store. I mean, I'll forget the grocery store for a second. Cause when I go in there, I'm just in and out. Right. I was walking the dog, walking lovely Lulu. And, um, I was approaching my home and there was two guys walking. One of them had a mask that was under his chin, not even on his face. The other one had no mask. They are like, I'm approaching my entrance to where I live and they are, approaching and we're kind of equal distant and equally moving at the same time. And I just looked at them and I went, stop. I, I, I was at stop. And they, they looked at me like, excuse me. I go, just stand there. I said, you don't have masks on. Let me get into my house and then you can keep walking. And I said it with that level of disgust and they were like beside themselves. And I said, get masks. I go, get masks. So don't go out. And I shut my gate and went up. Bravo. And one thing I found is that I, I've always been a, a, you know, a rude fuck in performance situations and things like that. But I tend to find myself and interpersonally, I tend to err on the side of sycophantically charming and that that's my survival technique. And I have found for me, I have abandoned politeness as a result of this pandemic. And I don't think I'm going to go back. I like I've realized that I don't like being polite. I don't, I don't Ooh. like, and I want to start getting real. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there it is. A world on the brink. And as humanity strives to survive, we search for the light in the darkness. Well, your search is over. The Real Tony on Patreon is the mighty torch of reason in unreasonable times. Support and subscribe to patreon.com backslash therealtony and gain access to exclusive footage, audio, photos, and early podcast releases. Support for The Real Tony on Patreon ensures that Coffee with Tony and all Tony-related products and creations will exist for all perpetuity in all times and universes. A basic subscription is just $5 a month. Go to patreon.com backslash therealtony and subscribe today. Civilization is counting on you. So this was a, a, a topic that came up this week and is it's, it's come up over the course of the past few weeks. So we talked about reopening and the insanity of reopening. We've also, you know, discussed, I mean, I will say that I think these protests are all shill protests. Yeah. I think they're set up by political action committees. Um, I can imagine, I mean, if you have anything to say about that, but that's, you know, no, I think you're right. <laughs> Um, but here's the big one is um, I was a Warren supporter. I mean, I like Bernie, but I was I was Elizabeth Warren. So I was sad when she left the race um, and actually more sad than I thought I would be. I was like uh, particularly emotionally upset when she left the race. I, don't, I think I've never cried about a politician exiting oh. a race besides Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I mean, and I it was surprised by it because she was fucking qualified she's like she was the best person yeah. for the job um 
but yeah, yeah. I feel like we're, yeah. are you, are you able to enjoy Joe Biden's uh, existence? Well, this is the question I want to ask you. So what is your feeling in terms of, I guess it's like, let's start. I'm going to ask them in, in different segments instead of a bunch in a row. So uh, I'm fine with Joe Biden. I could care less. Like, it's fine. It doesn't matter to me. Joe Biden's fine by me. I, I don't think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. But I mean, he did. How did he become the greatest villain in the face of the planet? I, I have no idea. Yeah. So I will ask you that question. How do you feel about Joe? So I think, yeah, it's anybody but Trump has to be the line of logic. And also, um, I, I think I defer to Nicki Minaj said something on Colbert to the tune of like, if Obama is fine with me. And I think I will, um, I will defer to that logic that like, yeah, he couldn't have hung out with Obama for eight years and been terrible, right? I feel like he's, people are being pretty negative about him, but we have to, you know, shape it up and just be like, yeah, that's him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so I've had a lot of people on the there who you still see it on Twitter. Obviously, I still see it in the live cast sometimes. And I have to say, there's a lot of very diehard Bernie supporters on my live casts and people who I know listen to the show who are like willing to grin and bear it, you know, who are willing to go, OK, you know what? You're right. Like things have changed. Right. But I am astonished. And how do you feel about people who and some of them we know, some of them are comics we know, some of them are comics that I've worked with, um, who are saying, no, we need a third party. We can't allow centrists to rob us of victory again. And I guess what I don't understand is, one, how would you deal with someone in this point now if you had to deal with someone you knew, even if it was peripherally, sharing that sentiment? Um, but two... What is the sentiment? Like, who in their right mind thinks that a third party is going to fucking win the presidency? Who who thinks that? Yeah, it's like, there's, you have to just do the thing that isn't Trump. That's all it is. It's like, there's no time to get the entire country, uh, like, swept up in a, a third party fever. It's just shut up and do the thing that's not Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's amazing, right? But it really is amazing. Because I get loving Bernie and Warren. I do too. Like, I wish it had been one of them. But, like, let us move on. And, you know, yeah, it's been such a fucking bumpy few years. Don't you want it to stop? Now, here's the challenge. Now, here's my question. And this is one where, like, I will hoist myself in my own petard on this one. So you can sort of maybe tell me whether I'm being insane here but um you know there's been obviously there was the interview with a woman who accused joe biden of some form of assault right mm -hmm. and apparently there was a second story that came out the last few days although it seemed to be a more minor note or wasn't as you know it didn't even reach i guess the pitch of being i don't know if it's the media covering it or whether it's you know really just was insignificant um so there's sort of two questions I have, which I read a companion medium article about the first accuser and how when you read this article and it's only based on my perception of the article, my perception of the art. So three things real quick. One, an accuser should always be heard out. 
to let the chips fall where they may. It should be investigated. Biden and this woman should both have their stuff vetted. And that's the, you know, there's no yeah. questioning that. There's no, hey, leave the guy alone. I don't believe in any of that stuff. No. But upon reading this Medium article, it seems to me as if there are some massive inconsistencies in what information she's communicating when, when she starts t supporting Putin and sort of Russian objectives. There does seem to be a side line with this particular accuser that sort of lines up with some disturbing, um, you know, counter espionage sort of behavior. Right. So I don't know what that means or if it's, you know, it's an article I read in Medium. I, it could be disproven and I welcome someone to challenge me on it. But that's sort of what I'm basing my information on right now. So there's sort of two questions. One, what do you think in the course of a pandemic in this circumstance where you are having sort of, you know, an accusation that should be heard out, but in this circumstance, how do you play it out and vet it properly in, a circum in circumstances like this? Can you? And two, and this is an honest question, would it really matter? Like, isn't, tr is Trump, my personal belief is, to be quite honest, Trump is so terrible and we are in such a dire situation that I think the fate of civilization is hanging in the balance. And so to me, I hate to say it, but even if they were like, yeah, Joe Biden did it, I'd be like, I still, we can't, it can't be Trump. It can't be him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I know that that's a terrible thing to say. I'm aware of what I'm saying. But I'm sort of putting that to you, not because you're a woman, by the way, but just I'm asking you because I've asked Neil the same question. What do you think about that? And am I am I is that too callous and crazy a thing for me to say? I don't even know if I like me saying. It. Oh, yeah. No, it's I don't think we like anything surrounding like a presidential candidate harassing a woman. There's nothing to like about it. <laughs> um, I think. Uh... <laughs> well, what if they're charming about it? I mean, I like, so yeah, it is the sort of thing where like, it's a, that's a bigger, that's a bigger issue than an election, unfortunately, like how we treat um, like cases of sexual abuse. It's like a, 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 another big thing that society has to come around faster than it has. Like, oh, but with, yes. with Biden, like Trump is guiltier times, you know, like exponentially guiltier of this type of stuff. I know it shouldn't be like pick the less abusive man, but like it shouldn't have to be that. But that is, I think, where we are. Yes. And that's the question is like because I've had that same thought. And of course, another part of my brain kicks in and says, well, that's insane. So what we're saying is that it's just the man who like, you know assaulted or raped less women or you know like that's so crazy yeah but it's and, ugly but then i had this other <laughs> thought which is like and this is not a rationalizing thought but i guess it's more of a point of interest thought and as a man i guess it's more of a point of interest maybe if i as a woman i would not just be like wow isn't that interesting that like are we sort of always often unknowingly choosing between the less evil violator that like in our lives, since there is a sort yeah. of, yeah. Well, so you know what I'm saying? I'll let, I'll stop on that sort of like, right. Yeah. We're choosing between the, the less terrible violator a lot of the time. We just don't know it. Yes. I think that's, I mean, like it's the type of, it's a, another like bigger question of like the psychology of the type of person that puts themselves up for these jobs too. Like the type of person uh you know like whatever psychologically um like 
depraved enough to want to be a CEO or a uh, <laughs> presidential person, a politician in general, or I mean, we can include comedians. Why not? Sure. These jobs, <laughs> you have to have a certain weird composition that, I mean, yeah, I don't think there's any coincidence that like the types of people that want these jobs are also often abusive. It's very, it's an ugly part of society. <laughs> When I'm not playing Captain Jean-Luc Picard, I'm on Cameo, booking cameo.com backslash the real Tony. Because if there's anyone who can make it so and tell me there are four lights, it's that guy. Hi, I'm William Shatner. And when I'm not cleaning out my pap machine or booking a flight on Priceline.com or signing all my autographs and mailing them to my fans, or writing my latest Tech War novel, I'm booking Cameo.com backslash The Real Tony, because he's the real deal. This is the President of the United States. We have everything under control. Everything's fine. It's the best it's ever been. And because of that, not even 65,000 American deaths. No, no matter how many deaths, it's not going to stop me from going to cameo.com backslash the real Tony and booking him today. We talk a lot in the show about sort of what are the changes, right? Going back to work or keeping things shut down, which we discussed earlier, right? Would I go out? Would I not? And this sort of false choice, I sort of call it a false choice, right? Well, so wait, we're saying that because we don't have a social safety net, which is why everyone is panicked about what's going to happen to people, because no, most people live paycheck to paycheck. I'm sure you and myself, I mean, I know I have lived paycheck to paycheck for years when we were struggling in comedy. Oh, yeah. No, and... starts out like crushing it financially. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so like when you're living, when you're living like that, you, you, we identify and know what that's like. And I can't imagine what people are going through with a month or six weeks of this. Right. Because I know when I had 200 in my bank account. Six weeks in, I'd be like, what the fuck am I going to do? Right, right, right. right. Um, that the question being, what, uh, what what, do you see? And these, I know these are tough questions because they're sort of political questions, but you wrote for the president's show. So you, that what do you see as this third path? It's sort of unprepared. I guess I, I should have told you this one before. Is like, what's this third path? Because... To me, there's a third path, right? We can't just reopen the consumerist economy we have. It clearly didn't work, and it led us to this path, right? right? right. And we can't just keep things shut down without any social safety net, without health care or whatever. But what is the, what do you think is the missing piece? Like, what is an element that we're that we're missing that we can get out to people to go? Here's a talking point. Here's an idea. Here's a solution. And I'm talking just on a local level, like. What's a solution that we can do immediately to beat back the charge of the radical consumerist suicidals that want us to just die so they can go shopping and, and you know, buy fucking pool furniture? I, I mean, yeah, it's uh, as I think. Let's see. What what is the third path? I guess it's um, 
like I think in New York especially none of us know our neighbors for the most part I feel like there's like a weird um like coldness even if you live in the same building and this is as good a time as ever to literally just be like hi I'm your neighbor I'm in okay health do you need something and I haven't done that as much as I should we have like a, a elderly landlady who I've you know Nick brings her bread and stuff like he's a hero, but uh, it's a good yeah. time to just be like, who, who, who needs help? Because I see the crazy people at the grocery store who clearly don't have somebody to help them. Yes. Yeah. But I, I don't feel like I but have you know, a good answer to that this. Risk? Yeah. It's there's of course there's a no, risk. no. That is a great answer. You just gave I think a really great answer which is a, a really simple, actionable one too, which is within reason, yeah. introduce yourself to your neighbors, know the people in your community. And it sort of cuts two ways, which is one, you sort of learn, you should know who everyone is around you, one, for who you can ally with and who you can support, but also to sort out who do you need to avoid if the shit goes south, right? Yeah. Like that's also part of it is like, who do I not want? Who do I need to know now <laughs> if they come knocking at my door, they're going to kill me and take my food. You know, that's yes. the other. So that's how I see it. I go, it's not just for the benefit. It's like, I want to know who's the fucking Looney Tune. Cause you know, I also think this in terms of like, you know, you think about those people in the grocery store. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll tell you straight up, honestly, I, I think I, I tell you guys this yesterday when we were doing the pre-check, I was biking the other day and I was like a guy was on a bike and he sort of took a spill, but it was a kind of a slow motion spill. Like it wasn't, he didn't like really hurt himself. There was no blood, but he just sort of collapsed in his, on his bike. And I had no gloves and a mask on. Cause I was just doing a quick loop. And so I just sort of rode by and was like, man, fuck it. <laughs> I can't help this guy in any way. So I'm just going to keep going. And I stopped at the corner and just watched to see that he got up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like walked away because someone had said to me, well, you could call. Then you could have called the hospital, if, you know, something I go and do what? What? Send him to the hospital so he could get covid <laughs> like, you know, you, basically, if you fuck up, you know, you can't like I just went to hug Flossie before we did this. She was like laying in the bed and I was hugging her and she went, look at the dog. So I looked at the dog because the dog was like envious that we were hugging him on the bed and the dog was on the ground. Well, when I turned back, she had turned her head such that I like head butted her nose. And for a second, it was like she was like, oh, but it was just like a bridge, like a cartilage hit. So like after 30 seconds, she's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. But the notion that like I hit her in the bridge of the nose. And what if she gets a nosebleed? What if I broke her nose? Oh. Like. Like you, it's like cutting anything, doing anything. You're like, just stay healthy too. Yeah. Just like you need to stay healthy. Yes. Right. And so have you made changes in your diet or your vitamin or like exercise Ooh. routines? Have you decided to try to increase your immunity? I mean, I think like, so we've been sort of rising with the sun and sleeping with the, like, I we're awake, both Nick and I are awake from like, um, like eight to eight roughly. And it's, uh, oh so God. it's a ton of sleep and, um, like it feels healthy to be like on the planet's schedule. 
<laughs> I guess. But wow, um, so medieval of you. It is. We also started watching Game of Thrones, which it's I don't great. think is like good for health, but it does feel medieval. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait. By the way, have you? What you should do, you can look it up online. But what you should try, because I'm envious of you, I might actually take a, p- a page from you here of doing this kind of go to bed and wake up with the sun thing. Um, is there something called second sleep? Have you ever heard of this? No. So look up second sleep. It was a medieval thing, uh, that, uh, where what, you know, people would wake up with the sun, they'd farm, they'd do their thing. And then they just go to bed when the sun went down because there was no light, you know, and they couldn't have too many light candles going in the little fucking straw hut they lived in and the fiefdom because it would just burn down. So um, people would go to sleep and they would sleep in two segments. So what people would do is go to bed at six or seven and then they'd wake up at midnight. They would hang out with family, tell stories and then go back to bed at one or two and then wake up at five. So there'd be two sleeps, not one. And it was called second sleep. And they say it accounts for why a lot of people had visions, lucid dreams, a lot of the Arthurian legend stuff in Once and Future King can be linked to sort of lucidity that like lucid dreams that were guided, you know, by people. So it could be an interesting experiment if you're in this thing to do um, some second sleep and see if your dreaming becomes more vivid. Ooh, yeah, that sounds like a cool. That's I, I've been looking for a hobby and this is it. <laughs> yeah, sleep. <laughs> second sleep. <laughs> Seconds. Uh, um, and so have you, are you going to go, I know we're going to wrap this up because it's been, thank you. I'm very grateful for you to be on for so uh, long. And I feel like we didn't even do any UCB stories or anything like that. Uh, um, Cause that's the thing is like, this is fun, but I like it to be like a conversation. So I hope that you were okay with it. Sort of not being like always like jokey jocular, but just, no, that's fine. Conversation. The only thing is okay, um, my laptop I, is going to die in about, seven minutes and if i go to the other side of oh well we're gonna wrap it up all right we're gonna wrap (laughs) it up so uh this is this we're gonna wrap it up i mean we talked for we you talked for a long time it's an hour and 15 minutes um so i'm gonna chop this i'm gonna have to chop this down to 45 minutes anyway um so uh is there any um so what are you working on right now are you working on anything right now that you could talk about? Yeah. And, assume, and then obviously plug away at all the things that you, you want to plug. Ah, okay. So right now I'm writing an animated pilot, which I have not attempted before. So that's a good thing. And um, the thing to plug, I guess, is my, my stand-up album. Because it's uh, it's on, it's, it's very available. Yeah, Party Nights is the album. Um, but yeah, I think it's been nice to work on like a writing thing alone. I, it's like, I really like being in writer's rooms with people. So this has been its own, um, different experience and it's, I hope it turns out good. And I hope you can be like a, you know, like voice a thing in it someday. Oh, I mean, that would be wonderful, but I I like the idea of working alone too. I mean, obviously I'm doing it in a different fashion in terms of like doing all these like home projects. But I had this experience recently where I, I, the last year really of going, wow, so much of what I do is hiding 
or not hiding, I guess it's too pejorative a term, but definitely partnering constantly. And I love my partnerships. I love my partnerships, but I realized that I, part of it is that what really got me going with the, even this Trump thing and all this was when I did my own show. Yeah. Right? When I did the variety show. And so it's this cyclical thing where you go, oh, I need to come back to doing something on my own to, you know, I need to go into partnerships and I need to go in on my own and make my own thing. But it's scary on your own. Yeah. You really get the imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. The imposter syndrome really kicks in. That's all I'm thinking in this podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All I'll do after I get off with this is I'll be like, wow, Emmy will be, Emmy must have been like, what a waste of fucking time that was. You know, just I only got chat. four more. I only have three and a half more hours till I have to go to sleep. <laughs> It was immediately when you told me you go to bed at eight. I was like, oh, my God, I'm like eating into your nighttime. Dude, it's like a weird world. And then, you know, I'll um, just go out in the streets holding two callous files and try to protect myself. <laughs> or either that or maybe what you could do what you talked about earlier is go to the supermarket, find those people who need help and start uh, pumice stoning their feet. It's perfect. Like I bet you need exfoliation so bad. Yeah, think about this. This is how you could help. Forget just the neighbors. You need to start applying your foot and nail skills to everybody in your neighborhood. Open a shop uh, in 2021. I think that's what I'll do. Is I'll become a, like a very that's the project. Yes, an amateur pedicurist. <laughs> Yeah, we could call it M M Emery Board. <laughs> How about that, huh? Emery Board, Emery Board Blotniks. <laughs> I don't have a good one for the end. Um, well, Emmy, thank you so much thank for, you for having uh, talking me. to me, and I appreciate you, and I I am so uh, grateful to have known you for such a long time, and for you to come on here and talk with me. I appreciate it. You're the best. Thanks for having me. And there you have it, folks. My interview with Emmy Blotnick. And uh, we had a great time. As you can tell in my interview style, I talk a lot. And I have to let the interviewee talk more. That's something I'm learning from editing these podcasts. Is how uh, much I feel the need to explain a question. And I should try to just ask it cleaner. All right. See you next week. Thank you. This has been Coffee with Tony, the podcast.